Welcome to Concrete Conversations, the Indian real estate podcast. I'm Akshay. And I'm Yash. And we're the hosts of the show. As the emerging real estate sectors evolve and grow, we see an increasing number of businesses draw inspiration from successful companies in more mature markets. Our guest today is not only a Navy veteran, but a veteran of real estate as well. Joe Albanese is the founder and CEO of Commodore Builders, a 20-year-old, $550 million construction management and general contracting firm located in Waltham, Massachusetts in the USA. Joe completed his civil engineering from UMass Lowell and his MBA from Boston University and joined the US Navy Civil Engineer Corps early in his career, stayed with them until his retirement in September 2009 at the rank of captain after 28 years of military service. In 2018, Joe was appointed by the Governor of Massachusetts as Chief Recovery Officer leading disaster recovery and restoration efforts following the September 13th gas line explosions impacting three municipalities in Merrimack Valley of Massachusetts. But what makes Joe such a successful real estate entrepreneur? What does it take to grow a half a billion dollar real estate enterprise? Today, Joe takes us through his journey with Commodore, highlighting key projects, challenges, and experiences that enabled him to weather economic storms and establish a firm that continues to strive for excellence and growth in the years to come. So without further ado, get ready for some concrete conversations. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Concrete Conversations. How is your Wednesday going so far? It's a Wednesday morning here in Boston. Oh, it's going well. I mean, just getting ready for the Thanksgiving holiday, which is tomorrow. Right, right. Well, uh, Joe, before we get started and we dive into the heart of today's conversation, um, to set the context a little bit for our listeners who will be listening from various countries across the world, could you tell us a little bit about your career? Give us like a short career overview about your work within real estate. Yes, you know, I'm, uh, my career has been in the construction industry primarily. Uh, I'm a third generation uh, Italian Sicilian. My grandfather was a construction laborer and my father spent his career as a civil engineer and construction manager. Mm-hmm. So I was fort- fortunate to grow up in that environment and also uh, through uh, high school and college, I was able to work uh, with the firm that my father worked for, uh, getting experience in construction, in the, which, which was particularly valuable as I was getting my own uh, civil engineering degree right in the uh, early, in the early 1980s uh, when i graduated from college i, I uh, spent some time in the navy civil engineer corps on active duty managing construction projects on naval bases and in, in europe mostly in sicily and in uh, new orleans louisiana and then i, I came uh, back to boston um, after my active service and uh, went to work for several construction managers before starting my own firm in 2002. Uh, Commodore Builders is my firm and it's uh, 20 years old this year and we're about a oh, we're about a $550 million commercial construction, vertical construction firm specializing in life sciences, uh, public school, private school, public work and commercial construction. Right. That's fantastic and congratulations on completing the 20 years. Uh, we're going to talk about Commodore Builders in a little bit. Um, but before that, you mentioned that you joined the Navy Civil Engineer Corps. 
How did your background in civil engineering lead you to joining the Navy Civil Engineer Corps? And could you maybe also tell us a little bit about how civil engineering played a role in your time over there? Sure. Well, so it was a very personal decision for me. Uh, when I was working for the company my father worked for, it was a large company based in Boston, and he was a senior executive there. I realized that he had a big shadow mm-hmm. and uh, and that, uh, that the industry, while it's a big industry, is relatively small when you look at the players. And I was, you know, Charlie was my dad and I was Charlie's son. And so I felt like... Uh, you know, it wasn't like it was his own company. It was a company he was still working on his career. And I had uh, been approached by the Navy to join the Navy Civil Engineer Corps and uh, and get some different experience. And I thought that that would be good for me to get out of town, separate from Boston, and get some different experiences uh, and grow uh, and continue to grow outside of you know the industry that my father was uh, such a, a key player in at that point in time. I, I got out of the Navy and came back and worked for a different company. But in, 2000, in 1993, almost 10 years after I graduated from college, I went to work for the company my father worked for again. But this time I felt like I had my own credibility, my own reputation, mm-hmm. and, I wasn't, wouldn't, and I wouldn't be uh, living with the appearance that my success was due to the fact that I was Charlie's son. Right. And, and if possible, you said you were constructing Navy bases. Could you tell us a little bit about... Um, what that really entailed from a civil engineer's perspective? Sure. Well, the Navy Civil Engineer Corps is a very diverse group within the Navy uh, that really manages all of the naval installations, you know, in a public works type role. And it builds and constructs new buildings and improvements to naval bases. Mm -hmm. And there's also another function that the Navy Civil Engineer Corps staffs, and that's the Naval Construction Forces, and that's combat construction. My active duty time was primarily in the Navy Civil Engineer Corps uh, construction management arm. And my first two years of duty with them was in Sicily. And if you remember in history in in the uh, mid 80s, uh, there's a lot going on in the Middle East as there is today. Um, And there was a huge buildup in Sicily uh, as as an interim stepping point to access the Middle East. and so, really, they, they called at that time the, the base in Sicily the hub of the Mediterranean, and they spent a significant amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars, improving the base, improving the airfields, building air operations facilities, uh, building barracks and, and, um, and other uh, base housing um, and other support buildings, hospitals, classrooms for the students that, of, of dependents that were there, right. and office buildings. So it was just a really building a, a small city uh, on a base. Right. And, and you know, uh, that's quite a unique set of experience to have from a civil engineering and construction perspective. So uh, are there any things that you feel that, um, you know, from your experience with the Navy Civil Engineer Corps that translated into your role and your work now at Commodore Builders? Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, there were a lot of technical things, you know, just learning more about construction, managing multiple projects, planning around operations, planning around contingencies, and uh, and coordinating, you know, people's people and and, and commands and organizations with sometimes conflicting interests. Uh, So I learned a lot about logistics in the industry, but I also learned a lot about leadership because of my role in the military and uh, really how to uh, motivate people and how to really work 
towards a, a, a mission that was defined and um, and align people around it. Right. And um, when, when you talk about that, are there any you know uh, specific skills or specific takeaways that you had um, when you were working with the the Navy? Well, very very much so. Very much so. You know, uh, we talk about the fact that. I spent my you know four years on active duty, but I spent uh, 24 years after that in the Reserve Naval Construction Forces. And right. uh, the, the, the Naval Construction Forces, um, they're a very integrated group of reserve and active duty um, resources. In fact, two thirds of the uh, Naval Construction Forces are reserve uh, officers and, and enlisted folks, CBs. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the CBs, but um, and they they scale up in wartime and they scale down in peacetime. So the, the uh, numbers right. of, of that organization are small now. But through that period of time, when I was both in the industry and working in the Navy, I learned an awful lot about, again, uh, managing people, leading people. I learned really uh, a lot about uh, um, really developing a bigger picture aperture uh balancing both my military career and my civilian career um mm -hmm. most importantly keeping the long view uh you know being uh you know understanding how to lead with purpose uh purpose is important uh in anything that you do but the, the tenet of commander's intent in the military uh really relies around you know defining the purpose then defining the method and then defining the end state so that in, with clarity the people that you're aligning around a mission, understand, you know, what the goals are and and are aligned in, in the end point. Right. Uh, those were, were really important principles that have founded, um, you know, the, the culture and the, the strategies that we employ here at Commodore Builders and have really contributed to our success over some very meaningful times. And I'll give you a couple of examples. And one example is the uh, Great Recession that we endured in uh, 2009, 10, 11 and 12. And, you know, my ability to be confident enough and keeping the long view through some very challenging times allowed me to really communicate with our people and to help them to see uh, how we were going to get through uh, a very, very uh, tough economy and some real business challenges uh, when other people, I don't think, were leaning forward in the same way. So we actually were able to advance the ball during that recession and position ourselves well, uh, for some some great growth and success coming out of the recession, there were also you know th leading through COVID, you know, uh, communicating over communicating to our people so that nobody that worked at Commodore Builders um, was in the dark relative to what we were doing, what was important, taking advantage of some shutdowns and employing you know five thousand hours of training in a time when construction was shut down for two or three months, and mm -hmm. working on company initiatives and business planning taking advantage of that. And those were really things that I learned, you know, when I was on the board of directors of the Naval Construction Forces and working around some very smart um, and talented people that really helped to shape my own uh, ability to see a bigger picture. That's, that's uh, I mean, that's fantastic. And I think you've really clearly illustrated this for us with some really key examples. You talked about having the big picture when you're leading uh, an organization or a team. You talked about communication. And sort of stepping forward in your journey here, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the importance of communication is 
um, in both as someone who is an employee of an organization, someone who is a member of a team with strong hierarchical structure, and also someone who is leading an organization. And maybe if you could give us a few examples to illustrate uh, what you're saying, that would be great. Well, I talked a little bit about purpose. Right. Pur- purpose is very important um, to keep people motivated. I mean, why, not only what are you doing, but why are you doing it? And why is it important? Why is it important to the bigger entity? Why is it important to the universe? Why is it important to you? Um, or should it be important to you? Or are there, are, are there other things that are important to you? Um, communicating to people um, as, as we work through their career progression so they understand you know what are the, the skill sets and things that they need from a training and experience perspective so that uh, they feel like they're getting real progress in their career and that they can really see a benefit to staying with the organization i mean retention of employees really depends upon us being open and and giving them a sense that we care that we're tracking and and really uh, helping them advance their career and and maximize their opportunities with our organization right right perfect now that we covered the kind of um, your journey and the experience of transitioning from these through these different roles through your career uh, i wanted to ask you something about you know the breadth of real estate experience that you have when it comes to construction so as you said when you uh, worked with the navy civil engineer corps it was like building small cities so with that in mind in all your years of experience uh, with commodore builders as well are there any marquee projects that you uh, that you remembered through your career or any projects that stood out to you well one project which ended up not really being a commodore project was because i actually took a leave of absence from commodore to implement it um in 2018 um the merrimack valley of massachusetts uh the city of Lawrence and the towns of Andover and North Andover experienced a horrific gas explosion, which compromised more than 10,000 buildings and residences and you know, caused hundreds of fires and actually one fatality and many injuries. But, but in the month of September, early September, mid-September, put that region um, you know, out of business from a natural gas perspective and, and required a significant um, repair of all gas lines, more than 50 miles of gas line in the street in 10,000 services to 10,000 buildings and appliances in those buildings from which included boilers and hot water heaters, gas, clothes dryers and stoves. So literally people couldn't heat their homes, heat their water, cook their food or dry their clothes. And the governor of Massachusetts appointed me to be the chief recovery officer for that. So I left Mm -hmm. Commodore Builders for for about 12 weeks, I pulled in um, two retired Navy admirals and four retired Navy captains to help me with this. And we uh, built a team of um, 5,000 people, including contractors, including including tradespeople, um, including more than 1,000, uh, actually 1,100 plumbers, wow. uh, putting uh, $750 million worth of work in place in 12 weeks to get that, that region um, back into their homes by the end of November, early early December, um, so that with the winter season, they had heat, they had hot water, um, the ability to cook and to, and to live in their homes. Um, so that for me was really the confluence of all that I learned in the Navy. In the Navy, I learned things about disaster recovery, engineer, contingency engineering, um, 
command operations centers, command control communications, um, you know, preparing for war. Um, and I also learned a lot about, you know, large scale construction and how to build teams and motivate teams. And we were able to put that to work along with my commercial construction experience and my relationships in the region with contractors and with vendors and with uh, other resources that we're able, we were able to bring to bear uh, to really respond to this horrific scenario and get people back home. Uh, in fact, I was in Lawrence, Massachusetts this morning for a meeting and was reminded of uh, how far they've come and, uh, and really what our team uh, accomplished with, uh, you know, under some very, very trying circumstances. That's fantastic. I, I, I laud you for the achievement on managing to do this because we know, uh, Yash and I know that from our experience in real estate that a project of this scale typically would take a lot of time and you were able to turn this around in such a quick time frame and get people back into their homes. One of the things that you mentioned was was keeping people motivated and you did touch upon this a little earlier as well. Could you illustrate for us some of the things that you all did while leading the team to to actually ensure that that you were able to meet timelines and or maybe even beat timelines in order to rehabilitate the houses for people to be able to move back in? Well, you know, so we were involved in the recovery of uh, a situation that n none of us really had direct experience with in, in a place where people were um, upset, displaced, angry, where the media and the political environment was complicated because they wanted to hold the, the utility company accountable. And so there was a lot of negativity, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, the citizens mm -hmm. and, and the residents were, were you know, displaced and, 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 and upset. And so, you know, we, we held several town meetings, you know, which were really, really important. You know, we'd go to what the town halls and the city hall, and you know, the first one we, we held, they were, was very adverse. Uh, and and the, right. the people, the people, I mean, I, I described it as them coming into the room with pitchforks. So they wanted a little bit of, of all of our hide, even though we were there to fix it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But we, you know, we listened and we, and we, and we communicated with them and we told them what we were trying to do and, 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 and our plan. And we, we, again, spent so much time in the media, on social media, um, and on, you know, on the news, uh, and in person, just trying to articulate our plan so people understood it, and it wasn't right. easy. And 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 so when we were falling a little bit, little bit behind schedule, and had to pivot and put other things in place, get more plumbers, find more people, expedite materials. You know, we in turn were talking to our teams of people that were working, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. You know, mm -hmm. to to keep them motivated, to to really get them to understand the purpose of what they were doing and how important it was and the successes, despite the fact that they were getting, you know, crucified by right. you know, the news, the news and the media. Right. So it was, it was a real exercise in that. And, and sorry, if I may jump in real, real quick, uh, how, what was the total size of, of the team you were managing? How many people was it? Well, the command operations center, our command team uh, was about 250 people. Okay. But we also, but, but we, the whole team, including all the contractors and all of the workers, was more than five thousand. Wow, that's huge. That's it. And just in contrast, um, what if you don't mind me asking, what is the 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 number of people that you manage at Commodore? 
Well, Commodore's uh, about 220 employees um, at Commodore Builders, plus we have another labor and equipment company with about 180, 190 laborers and carpenters. So all in, we've got about 400 people. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Wow. Right. And um, Joe, if I could just ask you a small follow-up. Uh, you know, we talked about the kind of um, working with people and especially in a high-pressure situation like this. But uh, when it comes to real estate and executing large projects, whether it's in the public sphere, like the one we're speaking about now, or even in the private sphere with uh, Commodore Builders, what is the importance of having set systems? Um, is, does it help make things smoother or does you know is it impossible to do projects of this scale without having ironclad systems? Well, processes and procedures are important. Putting systems in place um, and and KPIs to right. uh, to measure what's important to track, um, you know wh- where you're succeeding, where you need to do better, is is important. Otherwise. You know, you, you could you could just be going through all the motions and really not understand. You know, are there efficiencies, inefficiencies? Can we build on this? Can we make it better? Can we improve? Uh, processes and procedures are also important from a, a safety perspective. Right. Um, and and you know, construction is inherently a, a risky business. I sometimes think that construction managers are more risk managers than construction managers because there are so many risks as it relates to the work safety um you know supply chain uh schedules i mean the and so um i think over the last five years um since i left the merrimack valley one of the things i've been doing more and more of at commodore builders is uh really um data analytics and i I learned a lot about that in the merrimack valley because of the team that we had and the sophistication of that team Mm -hmm. um and and I see that in construction, um, measuring and and reporting on 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 data uh, really helps us m- improve our performance, and it helps us understand where the weak links are relative to our processes. You know, where if if we're not achieving what we need to achieve, you know, where is the risk, and how do we how do we uh, make sure that we attack that risk at at the right spot. So that we can improve the whole process, right, right, and and Joe, you know, uh, taking a step back here, and this is something that uh, obviously you you talk about this, and it's it's evident that your passion for real estate and your passion for uh, com- doing these projects. What what I was curious to ask you was about your passion as an entrepreneur. Could you tell us a little bit about why you decided to take a step away from a professional career and start? your own business at Commodore Builders? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I just out of habit um, have this like check-in with myself every decade. I did it when I turned 30. Mm-hmm. I did it when I, and I did it when I turned 40. And I just did it uh, this past summer when I turned 60. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but I was about to turn 40 years old. I was working for a good company, but I also, um, you know, looked at that company, looked where I was, looked who I was working with, looked at you know what what their you know values were and and uh, and and what my potential was with them, and, and I also looked at the age of my children, and right. knew and knew that I uh, you know my oldest was 11 years old at the time, and I felt like there was a window closing in my life uh, that I, if I didn't try to do something entrepreneurial at that point in time, then I probably wouldn't get an opportunity to do that and still 
um, you know, be able to get my kids to college. So right. I, it was really a timing thing for me. And I felt like it, it was now or never. And that was uh, 2002. And uh, I never looked back. I think entrepreneurs, uh, not everybody can be one. I think that's some, it's something that, you know, some something that I think I was born with, this, that desire to lead to do uh what 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 i wanted to do and to and i was very very lucky with the training i had between the navy and the regimentation and organizational skills i learned at the navy and discipline and the experience i had um through my dad and the the work i did with his business and and the work i did for some other companies that i think was really well positioned at that point in time 20 years ago Mm -hmm. uh, to start to start to start a business and to um, and to thrive, and, and we did. We 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 uh, we did seven million dollars worth of work our first year, twenty eight million our second year, and fifty million our third year. So we grew wow. very very quickly. Um, if not for the recession um, in two thousand nine, ten, eleven, twelve, you know, I, I think that we would have grown even more quickly. Uh, but we're right. you know here we are at year twenty, uh, you know, five hundred and fifty million dollars. So I'm proud of that, um, and more proud of the the talent that we that we attract now. Um, and the people that are making their own careers and building their lives around, uh, you know, what they're accomplishing here at Commodore Builders. Right. Perfect. And I think um, that sort of, you know, sets us up for a, a segue now to more industry-related questions. Um, and right. we wanted to get your opinion on a few sort of topical issues that we see in the housing market and the real estate market in the USA. Given the uncertainty we've seen in the overall housing market in the U.S., how do you feel developers are adjusting to the current market conditions? Well, first of all, it's very complicated because, you know, when you reason through the equation, the math here, interest rates are double what they were. Right. Okay. So that that means the cost, you know, to finance the work um, is significantly more, which means that you need either need to lower your costs someplace else, uh, cost of construction, mm-hmm. or charge significantly more money for the product in order to make a profit. And the and the and the forces are against that right now because construction costs and and supplies and labor it's it seems like a runaway train right now. I mean it's uh, you know the escalation right. the, the escalation that we've endured over the last three or four years uh, has made commercial construction, including housing, very complicated uh, to finance and to make any pro forma work. And so we see, you know, two years ago, there was a big movement in commercial construction to um, have commercial developers develop lab space because the economy of lab space is a little different. You can right. get premium get premium revenue from from life sciences providers because, because of the uh, Know, the origin of, of of their profits and 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 how they how they can um, you know, spend significantly more money on a per, per square foot basis um, you know you see office buildings now where where tenants are cutting their space significantly to reduce their office requirements because of the cost and also because of the model right now of the workforce where people are working more remotely right and they don't need the space. So, I mean, there's a lot going here, going on here that still needs to correct itself. And so I don't think that you're going to see the right balance right now, and particularly in residential development, until the interest rate uh, slash 
cost of construction and and uh, and sale price really are balanced and they're out of balance right now. Right. And just continuing on from uh, what you just mentioned, given that uh, I'm currently sitting in India and emerging markets where used to uh, a much higher cost of borrowing, but given uh, the, you know, quite steep hike in interest rates in the US. How systemic is this for the benefit of our listeners? Would you mind explaining the kind of transmission mechanism or, you know, the the knock-on effects of uh, a high interest rate in, when it comes to real estate and construction? Well, I mean, the high, high interest rate here clearly is 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 a an effort, um, you know, to, to stem inflation. Um, right. I mean, cl- clearly the, the Federal Reserve is... You know, that bank is trying to slow things down, um, you know, to ward off inflation, um, you know, but that's to me more a function of right now what the um, federal government has done with with all of the money that they've spent, um, you know, uh, through COVID, uh, a lot of which I think was, you know, you could be classified as irresponsible, <laughs> giving uh, money away to really mask the real effects of of the economy through that time. Right. I think we're headed to a correction and it's going to be a correction that I think is going to be painful for some people and for, for some companies. Uh, I mean, we're bracing ourselves in the construction industry because you know, we are a, a leading indicator of economic shifts like this. Um, and, and so once, once we get through that, I think that we'll be back to a healthy, you know, healthy recovery and 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 uh, a place where development will be back driving a strong economy. That's perfect. Moving on to a slightly different topic, though, within the construction industry, do you feel that there have been any recent advancements in construction technology that you think will change the course of the real estate industry over the next few years? Well, I do. Um, you know, for, first of all, I mentioned you know data analytics and 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 how that uh, for me can improve the efficiencies in construction and, and uh, um, you know, you're still really developing uh, other technologies like building information modeling uh, right. and, and virtual realization of VDC um, and, and our ability to really build things on paper and, and spend more productive time planning so that the actual construction process is, is smoother. There are many advances in project management and project management applications that help us, you know, really keep track of things and ensure that, uh, you know, that 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 communication across the team is uh, is is more um, and more open and 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 information is available, you know. And that was tested through COVID. We had projects where we, you know, all of a sudden stopped having on-site project meetings because it wasn't right. you know, a risk. And so with, with a lot of the uh, technology that we had, you know, from uh, uh, video, um, you know, a realization to, to just plain old Zoom, I mean, we were able to really bring clients and architects and designers um, and, and inspectors um, virtually onto the project site to uh, answer questions, solve problems and get work done, even mm-hmm. though people couldn't be in the same room. You know, there's a lot of building material advances, um, and I think there'll be more of that, particularly as, you know, I think that the United States right now is taking, uh, make, uh, making a real effort with the, you know, Build America, Buy America Act to right. uh, get more uh, built in America uh, um, capacity. And, and I think that with that will be more state-of-the-art facilities that will be able to 
build more advanced building materials. A lot more offsite construction, panelization, um, prefab, so that the whole systems are being brought onto site and installed with much less on-site labor. I mentioned safety earlier. You know, there's some big advances in in safety and protective equipment for people. Um, and safety, you know, has uh, always has has been uh, important, but today is just paramount, particularly with uh, all of the uh, challenges that were presented to us during COVID. Uh, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why the construction industry was a leader coming out of COVID. Uh, because some of the COVID safety protocols that we were able to put in place, uh, we, we were able to put in place much more rapidly because of our pre-existing focus on safety. Right. Um, you know, a lot is still sustainability, you know, green building. Um, that's There's a lot going on with that uh, in the construction industry. And uh, and I think that, that we'll see a lot more of that in the future, particularly because construction uh, and, and, and the construction process is such a big part of the measurable carbon footprint of society. So I think we have a, an obligation to to improve that, not just in the construction process, but also in the sustainability of the things that we leave behind. Perfect. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Joe, as we're, as we're nearing the end of our conversation, our time here today, I wanted to dial it back to something you mentioned at the very start of the conversation. You talked about the importance of maintaining a vision of the big picture, you know, keeping your eye focused on on the larger goal and the larger objective. And when we spoke last, uh, you mentioned that one of Commodore's objectives is to grow from a half a billion dollar company to a billion dollar company. Uh, with this in mind, I thought we could ask you, where do you feel the growth opportunities lie for Commodore builders going into the near future? Well, so we, we put our five-year strategic plan in place a couple of years back. Um, we were a, less than a $300 million company then. Uh, we're at 550 now. And our goal uh, for 2026 was $800 million. I mentioned to you a billion because I'm focused on that right now in my role as CEO. You know, I, I, um, I made our COO president back in March, and, mm -hmm. and I'm CEO, and and my my focus has changed a little bit. He's much much more operational, and I'm much more focused on our infrastructure, building mm -hmm. our infrastructure so that we can scale. Um, you know, the thing about our business is, um, you know, you really need uh, that support, that foundation, in order to continue to grow. So, you know, we've we've spent a lot of money and time over the last three years building Commodore Academy, which is a real institutionalized training program to make sure that our people are trained and, and more capable and, 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 and that we have really defined the Commodore way from a building better builders perspective um, to technology, to leadership and soft skills. We, right. we, call, we call those power skills. Um, right. Also, also uh, making sure we make the right investments in our uh, engineering, BIM, VDC, um, and pre-construction planning. Uh, you know, we find uh, over the years, we found that, uh, you know, when the, a project doesn't go well, it usually translates back to the plan wasn't a good plan. So we've made big investments over the last several years in our planning department and our planning process. Uh, so our planners, our schedulers, our quality control people, are really, again, building it on paper and communicating 
uh, and seeking out where the risks are and how we address those risks going forward. Uh, we're not growing uh, to 800 million and a billion just for the sake of growing, but mm -hmm. we're growing to make sure that we can continue to create opportunities for the people that have entrusted their careers to Commodore Builders uh, so that they can see that they have a place to go and to achieve what they personally want to achieve uh, without feeling that they have to leave to go someplace else. So, so we have entrepreneur, entrepreneurial positions within Commodore uh, that they lead divisions, which are really companies within a company, so that um, we have a place for that right. entrepreneur at Commodore Builders that's pr a proven operator that has fire in his or her belly that wants to lead something and we'll give them the platform to do that within the company that we have here. So really growing right now isn't for the sake of growing, it's for the sake of creating opportunity for our people. Right. Perfect. And, you know, uh, going forward, I, I hope that we can see Commodore Builders realize this this vision into the future. Um, with that, Joe, I just wanted to say thank you for taking out the time to join us and for sharing with us your journey and your insights when it comes to construction, civil engineering, real estate, entrepreneurship. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both. And, and actually, uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your time at Boston University. And thank you. Uh, I hope to, uh, to see you both sometime in the future. Thank you. And likewise. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow Concrete Conversations on Instagram to know more about upcoming episodes and for some behind the scenes content. For more deep dives into the world of Indian real estate, stay tuned for more Concrete Conversations.